Welcome everyone to the Real Men Podcast. I'm the host, Destiny Creates, and with us is Tryon. So, yellow. Hello. So uh, today's been an interesting day. Um, you know, we just just been coding pretty much is what I've been doing all day, and then I also went and rode my bike around the school because I live near the school. And for those who have not read the description this podcast is basically about a bunch of different things we have films we have code you know gaming just a bunch of different stuff even politics but it's mainly cyber politics so don't worry about that so basically it's sort of like topics of the day kind of yeah yeah something like that so uh today's topic is gonna be film and coding so first one we're gonna talk about is the coding part Um, I am a part of a group of people that are into cyber security exploration, which is basically a bunch of people that want to learn hacking, not just to mess around, but basically just to mess around. But it's a little bit more complicated than that. But like, they want to try and learn how things work in the cybersecurity world. And just just out of curiosity. And so what they wanted to do was learn how dark web chat rooms work. And that's a dangerous thing to explore, as you know. Because, yeah, I mean, it's the dark web. If any of you have played uh, the game Welcome to the Game, that's sort of like a simulation of how the dark web kind of is. Yeah, but the dark web isn't as bad as everyone thinks it is, but it is still pretty bad. I have to admit, I have gone to the dark web a few times, and I've seen some things that are pretty hard to unsee well yeah it's it's not bad in that regard it's bad the fact that you're very sort of at the fact vulnerable vulnerable um to some people i'm guessing yeah and whenever you're on the dark web you don't know what you're doing most of the time it's a it's a goose chase you don't know where you're going if you click on a link most of the time you don't know where it's gonna go and it's really difficult to find links that still work today. The dark web is just a wild goose trace chase. Um, but whenever you do find a good link, if it's to a decent resource, then the dark web can be very resourceful. For instance, last year, I had to make, I had to do a project in biology that ended up being a political kind of project, and I needed to find a resource. And I asked my teacher, "Can I use uh, a dark web link?" as long as it's legal, because I wanted an unbiased and very truthful, pure government document that was on the dark web, but it was legal to view, but it was on the dark web, you know, and school districts most of the time only accept official links. She said that she would actually take that link as long as it's legal and safe. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I found the link and I sent it to her and I got full credit for that for that project it was really cool and it was very resourceful it was very it was a document from edward snowden it was one of his documents and for those who don't know what edward who edward snowden is he was a person who worked for the nsa i believe it was the nsa and he decided to basically whistleblow all of their stuff to the american people and tell us the truth of what all the nsa is doing Yes. And I mean, you'd be surprised what he revealed. You would be surprised with all that he revealed, honestly. 
Yeah, so basically, this may be our first official podcast, probably. We did try to record one earlier this week. Uh, it was a meh. Well. It didn't work well, but like, because Steam, you know how that be, but yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of background noise as well, and there's no background noise in this one. By the way, you're hearing me okay? Yeah. All right. Well, um, anyways, as I was saying about the coding, um, Dark Web, and they wanted to learn how to create a secure communications chat room. And you, there's stuff on the Dark Web for that, but it's mainly chat rooms that are already created. And whenever you're on the dark web, you use a special browser called the Tor browser, and it, randomi- it randomizes your internet information and scrambles it through several different places so that you don't, so that you're supposedly safe. But there's other ways to attack people on the internet. Yes. And also, just- suggestion, just in case, if you ever were to go on the deep web, if you want, if you wanted, use the Tor browser. But I would also recommend also, if you want to use a virtual machine. Or a virtual box, because if it's because if you're on the dark web and you end up getting crap on your computer, uh, I'd recommend getting a virtual box to making a virtual computer. So most likely that stuff won't happen. But yeah, yeah, and and also a VPN is always recommended. You know, just that extra yeah. layer of security because if you because it's com- the Tor. The entire Tor network is community ran, and if and you don't always want to go in just raw right then and there, you know, because someone in the community might be, uh, you know, trying to find people's internet information by supposedly hosting themselves on Tor, and then you go through them and they get all your internet stuff, and it can be a mess sometimes just using Tor. And uh, a virtual machine and stuff that's that is a bit far fetched, but. You know, you can't use a virtual machine on on your Android, and Tor browser is available for Android, uh, which I highly recommend uh, getting, by the way. But I can say that whenever you're using Tor browser, there's three settings. Standard, which is just the network stuff. Uh, Safer, which is disabling cookies and stuff like that. And then the safest disables everything except for the HTML. So, like, you can only see the web page. And the issue with dark web chat rooms is that a lot of them use JavaScript, which is a very, very risky thing to enable on the dark web because you can do a lot of malicious stuff with JavaScript. So that's why on the dark web, it's not just internet security you need to look for. You also need to be, you need to try and make sure you're not vulnerable in a phishing way. And for those who don't know what phishing is, phishing is basically whenever you send someone a web page or an email or something, or not phishing, uh, social engineering. That's whatever. That's the one that I'm looking for. Social engineering, you got to make sure that you're not vulnerable in that aspect. Uh, social engineering is whenever you try and convince someone that it, something's legit when it's not, and then you end up getting hacked or virused or whatever it is. I myself have had a few social engineering incidents, but I did recover from them but not everyone knows how to recover from something like that. And, and you know, these incidents can get pretty bad. Governments have been taken down and, and basically virtual civil wars have occurred because of social engineering. And so it is a very risky thing. And I myself have used uh, social engineering 
to test security for websites before. I was paid for it. I was allowed to do it. Uh, but I have tested social engineering, and you'd be surprised who all is vulnerable. Believe it or not, AT&T has a really bad problem with uh, social engineering. Believe it or not, the Twitter CEO just last yes. week got hacked. He just got hacked, and it was because his cell phone provider's AT&T, the hackers used a subsidiary of Twitter and then used social engineering for AT&T to get access to his phone and use the shell corporation from uh, from Twitter and use their side service as a, against him pretty much. And it was it was really smart how they did it. But at the same time, it, it makes you think like the the CEO, the create, you know, the guy for Twitter got hacked. Like that's just you'd think that they'd have better security for him. But after uh, his his security info got leaked, like how how his account was secured got leaked and he uses the standard options like he doesn't even have two-factor on his account yeah and like the thing is the whole thing with um people on twitter because this is a, this has actually been going on for a for kind of a not so long period of time it's actually kind of been sort of relevant as of now of how people are people's accounts mostly on twitter have been getting hacked via because at&t um from their provider, AT&T, yeah. Yeah, and you know, the, one, another issue is that AT&T, and, and I'm not saying that they should change this, but it most definitely is something that they should look out for. Uh, they should monitor the types of connections going in and out of, out of routers. They should only allow a certain amount of connections. So for instance, if, um, if you know, AT&T, you got to be like, Okay, so you want service? Well, how many people are going to be on the service? And nobody else will be allowed to connect to their, to your router unless they're whitelisted for the service. You know, and, and doing that would create a lot more security for the user because someone can't just randomly connect to your router and then just wreak havoc. You know, I myself, uh, I tested uh, security for Wi-Fi at a school, believe it or not, uh, I got permission from the teacher, and he said, uh, "You can, if you find something wrong with our router, you can tell me, and you won't get in trouble. We'll just tell tell the security for the district about it." I'm like, "All right, cool." Within 30 minutes, I hacked into the Wi-Fi router because it was using uh, WPA uh, encryption, which no WPS. Yeah, it was using WPS encryption, which has very known bugs and, and vulnerabilities in it. And so I told them about it, and they upgraded it to WPA2, I believe it's called. But, I mean, you know, that would never have been able to happen. Like, the way I hacked into it, that would never have been able to happen if they blocked any connections that were, like, made by devices. You know, if you're just trying to surf the web and make a request to a server or something like that. You don't want to get blocked off of that. But if you're getting, if you're blocking connections from like devices and stuff, then yeah, they should make something like that because then people won't be able to put a virus on your computer and then connect to your router through that. Cause that's how it works. Most of the time people actually connect to your router remotely from uh, countries away just by creating a connection from his computer, from the attacker's computer to the victim's computer. And that's how that works. And I've personally done this before to test security. And it's ridiculously easy to do. 
and you'd and you'd be surprised what all you can do with just that. Yeah. So the uh, but these guys they wanted to create encrypted communications, and so I thought, well, maybe I'm gonna beat them to the challenge. So I challenged myself, and I pulled up my code editor. And I created a new project, and my main programming language is Python 3. And so I was working with uh, something called Sock Sockets. That's what it's called, Sockets. And Sockets, for those who don't know how, how networking works, uh, whenever you're connecting to something, you connect from an IP address because, you know, you have web URLs. Web URLs are decoded into IP addresses, and so that's why if you put in the IP address of a website, you can actually visit a website just by doing that, or you can just put the normal web address like a normal person would. Um, but, you, you know, I if you put the IP, it'll let you go into the website. And then if you specify the port, which is different parts of the web server, then you can get to the admin panel or whatever you want to get into. And then you have sockets, and sockets are the physical ports of a server. And so there is a, a library in the Python programming language that allows you to interact with virtual sockets. And so what I've tried to do is create a Python file that I can put onto a remote uh, Linux machine up in the cloud and then that would be the server. And then I would be able to connect to that server from my phone. And I'm making it so that multiple phones or computers can connect to that server. And then whenever someone sends a message, it goes to the server and then gets resent to everyone except for the person that said the message. And that's how it would be distributed. And this is this is sim this is quite simple in Python. It seems very difficult and it seems very complicated, but it's easier than you'd think to do in Python. Yeah. And and you know doing something like this in C or or uh, Bash that's a very popular programming language for Linux, and, and you know. Ruby or any other programming language would take hundreds and hundreds of lines, but I literally created the file for the server within like 30 minutes. It only took about 60 lines of code. And then what I'm going to do, I just created the server file today. Tomorrow I'm going to make the file for which users will use. So it's going to be uh, mainly for PC. I'll port it over to Android at some point because iOS stinks. Sorry, but iOS stinks. But this is a, this is a biased podcast. Whenever it comes to Apple, okay, we do not like Apple. Because yeah. the thing is, um, with Apple, Androids, in my opinion, are kind of like they could do more of what Apple can't do. It's sort of Androids kind of have like a computer value to them. You can download files easier. You can do all this stuff. Well, with Apple, Apple's kind of more like it wants because uh, it's like hard to explain. Considering Android's basically like Windows, and because Windows has a bunch of capabilities, Mac also has capabilities. But with the iPhone, it's sort of like a Mac that you took the capabilities, some capabilities from an i uh, from a 
i from a mac and strip those away and that's basically the iphone sort of yeah you know just just less functionality in person in general you know because you can install apps from outside the play store and uh and androids yeah. and you, this allows for people to create because oh. obviously the uh google play store was going to have a little bit of censorship in it but the if if you create a file the the raw app file then you can just put it on a website and no one can tell you not yeah. to do that and then you can like have apps from outside the app store and you don't have to root your phone for it or some with the equivalent of root for android is uh is jailbreaking for iphones by the way yeah so but you know you in order to do anything on it on an iphone you gotta you have to jailbreak it yeah and and people say that they would prefer to have an iphone that's not jailbreaked than a android without root because it keeps them away from viruses people are like oh it's too easy to to get your android virus do you i mean literally apple just updated their iphones and whenever they updated it they accidentally unpatched a, a vulnerability and this yeah. affected a hundred and a hundred some million because, users got hacked because of it and they because, immediately push an update to patch it again yeah because like with iphone in my opinion i feel like when they end up fixing something in an update in the next update They'll fix another thing, but then somehow that old thing that they tried to fix, it'll end up having another problem through that, well, which then they'll ignore until like a couple updates later when they'll finally recognize it's a thing. Then the net, the then the older thing, that thing gets like a bug into it, and it it just becomes a whole sort of pattern of how it works. Yeah, one thing and, and... gets fixed. Yeah, one thing gets fixed, and then like the other thing just sort of bugs itself. Yeah, and you know, me personally, I am a developer, so I can speak on this. I've developed iOS apps. I've developed Android apps. I've, I'm now developing PC applications. I've been coding for years. I can tell you, it is annoying. Coding in general is annoying. The coding, the definition of coding is trial and error. You know, you, you do something, Basically. and then you do another thing, and then the thing before that gets broken and then you have to fix that and then once you fix that the other thing gets broken it's ridiculous i can't tell you how many times because in my opinion the stereotype that people think of a coder is basically oh they're very skilled they get everything correct but something you got to think about is that they don't always get everything correct they have to go back and fix another thing and then like if something's not compatible they have to go back and make that thing compatible and just keep going on until they do get it completely right Oh, don't even get me started on compatibility, brother. I, I, uh, I, my user base, because I, I have some programs that are starting to get decently popular in the community. Um, one of my most popular ones at the moment is a zipping software. It allows you to compress files so that instead of a file being like a whole gigabyte or something, it takes it down to like 700 to 500 megabytes. And so basically data saving. And my program originally it worked completely fine but it was just a black box that opened and that's not very user friendly so i created an icui for it and stuff and i pushed that out immediately several emails saying that the window keeps freezing and it keeps becoming unresponsive but it appears that the program itself is working which it was so after i popped up in my code editor to see what the problem was the issue is that 
the code was trying to do too many things at once and the program couldn't handle that. So I had to create processes so that it would be able to do that. Well, it didn't like the way that I was creating the processes. And so then I had to recreate the processes. And then I ended up having to redesign about 50 lines of code just to fix it. And then I had to create an entirely new code file and then paste the source code for the program into that new file and then only have the other file for the, for the GUI. So, and this is the way Python works. You just have one file for the GUI and nothing else. And then the other file has all the source code for the program. And then you have it so that whenever the G, whenever a button is clicked or something is typed in or a button is, or the key is pressed or whatever you set it to be, then it will call the other file to activate some source code. And that's how Python works. And it can be very well if you set it up right. Me, I didn't have it set up right at first, so it took me a good few days to get it set up right. And it was annoying, man. It was it was horrible. But once I got it set up, it was a breeze to code. I mean, just today I created uh I didn't just I didn't just make the server thing. Uh, I also made something and this is technically it's not illegal to do. It is technically a hacking tool, but it's not publicly gonna be released. But I tried to create a program that cracks um, zip files. So, you know, whenever you compress a file, it sometimes you download a file that's in a .zip format. And sometimes whenever you try to open it, it asks for a password. And you might not know that password. So my program takes a text file filled with a bunch of different passwords. And it tries all of them one by one until it hits the right password. This method of hacking is called brute force. It has been done since yes brute force yeah it's been it's been out there since the beginning of computers dude brute force yes, brute for- the original idea of brute force i think became it came from it was it was british i think i'm, I'm thinking of alan turing but i know it wasn't alan turing because alan turing made the enigma it, or he cracked the enigma and that wasn't through brute force that was from something else that was the early days of cryptography uh, I forget when brute force was made, but I know it's old. It's been out there since websites yeah, were created. Yeah, and like brute force, um, it's sort of expanded from what I know from like expanding beyond computers to like actual consoles. Um, for example, you can use brute force to sort of like, not well to sort of like kind of hack, not really a 3ds in some case, but like, you can use that in that regard, but. Yeah, somebody brute forced a Tesla one day. I thought that was interesting. And then somebody else, th- this this is actually something I plan on buying and trying out. There's this new thing where you buy a, a special charger cable and then whenever someone plugs their phone, it, like it's a legit charger cable, it charges your phone. But once uh, the person p- uh, plugs in their phone to the charger, then the person who actually owns the charger now has access to your phone complete access you can you can launch so many different types of hacks to it it's called omg cable and um, i i'm not going to promo that here because i don't even know the link to it i don't remember it off the top of my head but i'm most definitely going to try and get that at some point Uh, i actually i'm hoping to get a job soon here i've been waiting a few days to get a call back from the uh from the employer but hopefully i'll get a job and i'll be able to get that but uh 
you know, I think we've talked a lot about coding. I want to go on to the next topic. Yeah. So, um, which is the next topic. Is, yeah, films. So there's a new film coming out, uh, and and it's going to be coming out uh, in Louisville, Kentucky first. It's going to be premiered at a film festival here in Louisville in, I believe, spring of 2020. And then uh, it's going to be fully released online. And you'll be able to buy it for fifteen ninety nine, I believe it is, uh, fifteen ninety nine. That that is subject to change. Uh, you'll be able to buy it then uh, in the summer of twenty twenty. And this film is actually coding related, but it is a film, so that's what we're going to talk about. It. the The name of the film is Hacktivism, and it's about three teens who get really angry with the world because adults look down upon teens for their age and so these three teens launch a coordinated cyber attack and take over the internet to show the adults that they that teenagers were more powerful than they thought yeah and this is this is made um from this is originated from the mind of a 13 year old the the story is from a 13 year old's mind wow <laughs> that's crazy like that's that's an insane thought like it's it's okay. a childish it's a childish thought put into an adult like film and and it's like the way it's made the way it's described is just awesome in my opinion yeah because like in my opinion us like like not saying that like adults don't really have creativity but usually when you're like a teenager child um you you sort of have a more creative point of view on things so like to make a movie about hacking if someone was uh to do that like an adult they'd probably just put like the basic thing uh like sort of like stereotypes like oh the kid who lives in his basement like has a weird thick laptop and like always doing stuff but like if it was a kid they'd probably add like more details to it make it more like sort of um accurate to like how it is exactly so it seems like a cool film if you guys want to check it out like um when will it be is there any news of when it'll be releasing online yeah summer the summer of 2020 i um uh topic on film um which has actually been going out around for quite uh couple of weeks which is uh the topic of spider-man leaving the mcu oh my god um, that annoyed me when i saw that literally the reason why spider-man is leaving the mcu is over money that is ridiculous yeah over over a deal but like the thing that i really want to talk about is no one really knows the full story as of now it's been sort of going like bouncing through story the story like oh spider-man's gonna be joining back into these mcu Oh, Spider Man's gonna join back and also bring Venom with him, or like Spider Man's gonna stay at Sony and do all these other movies. Um, is Venom it isn't part of the MCU? Like, he is not. He is part of the Sony universe. But there was a story bouncing around that uh, Spider Man was gonna come back and he was gonna bring Venom with him. Um, it has been confirmed that there's gonna be um, a trilogy of standalone films of Spider Man. And in a story, they said there was going to be um two 
Avengers films starring Spider-Man, but here's the thing. We don't have the full story if Spider-Man is back into the MCU, but we do know that a Spider-Man 3 is um, in production, I believe, right now. Um, it's either in production or it, it's been confirmed. But, yeah, that's all the intake we have on it. it there's really not much on it. it the basic thing was that um, if you haven't seen Spider-Man Far From Home, it did actually really good. Yeah, I, it I liked a lot of it money. too, but I don't like the fact that they they made the character have a relationship. I don't like that. Something yeah. that nobody else pointed out. In the original, uh, and, and I know that this entire podcast it like and, and the people affiliated with it, we don't have any issues with race. Obviously. I'm I'm yes. myself I'm African American. Our guest, Tryon, is Caucasian, so we have no issue with race here. But I just want to point out the fact that in the in the original comics, I believe, I believe, I'm not sure about this, uh, Try and let me know if I'm wrong, but Spider-Man and the girl that he originally liked was white, correct? Yes, she was white and she had um red hair, I believe. Okay. Uh, we talked and about and in most of the films, in most of the films, in most of the Spider-Man films, they got that right. In the original, in the original, in the original trilogy with Tobey Maguire, they got that right. And uh, Andrew Garfield, Amazing Spider-Man one and two, they had Gwen Stacy in it, which yeah, she was white yeah. though. But like, does nobody else realize that in the newest Spider-Man, not only is he a high schooler, they got the high school completely that they got that part completely wrong. First of all. Yeah, because the thing about is have the girl, and like I said, I'm not, a, I don't have anything wrong with race, but they have the girl as an African American, which is completely wrong. For so you know, I mean, like in the hacktivism story, the the people were originally, and this is an issue with hacktivism. The uh, the main character is African American, and yeah, so like other two, basically. Hold on a second. No offense, but just like, hold on a second. The other two original main there's three main characters the first main character is african-american male and the other two are are caucasian male and now the now it has been changed and confirmed that most of the cast will actually be female and the main character they're still deciding whether it's going to be male or female but like all these movies you know the original backstories have set genders and set uh, races, and then they're completely changing that. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but for something like Spider-Man, like, how are you going to mess up Spider-Man? That is something that's huge. If you mess up hacktivism, nobody's going to care. It's a small, local film. But, like, Spider-Man? Come on now. Because, like, I, I know what you're coming from, that they're not using the main stage material uh, from the comics and such, and, like, from... The original trilogy and like um from the two amazing spider-man films which people don't talk about because everyone thought andrew garfield was garbage to me he was all right but he didn't really represent peter parker as he is i feel like toby mcguire from the trilogy represented more peter parker as like the nerdy high school kid who's like not really good at getting girls and stuff and he's just basically a nerd in general so yeah and and then and the new guy honestly like the the guy who's current I forget his Tom Holland. yeah Tom Holland he's an awesome guy in general in real life he's just an amazing guy and he's super talented with film but like the other dude in the in the Amazing Spider-Man like oh, Andrew Garfield yeah he was horrible like 
As an actor, he's okay, but in real life, horrible guy. He nearly punched reporters. And now look, I understand paparazzi can get way out of hand. They do the dirtiest work of the film industry. And they and they're and they're and they expose people, and that's not okay. They expose private things, you know, stuff that should be kept private. But like he he was uh driving with some with i believe his wife i'm not sure but he was driving with with a female i know that and they were trying to leave someplace i believe in hollywood and paparazzi were crowding the car and so he got super angry he got out the car starting to punch them and stuff and it's like i've seen the video and i don't blame him but like he should have been a lot more professional than he was but like yeah people like well the thing that i would understand is like people will try to be professional about it. Like, yeah, he was, in, he was in the wrong for, like, immediately going out and, like, probably punching them. But, like, the thing is, if this was, like, posted online, like, hey, he punched something, what if the people don't know, like, the other side of the story? Like, oh, was there something, a reporter did something that, like, you found um, not really uh, cool in general? Like, oh, they were, like, they were, like, trying to talk to my wife when... I didn't want them to or something, and, like, then he goes out saying, I, I really don't know. But, like, there's always two sides to a story, and that's actually relevant with um some stuff that's been happening recently, a uh, whole cancel culture stuff, like, with uh, Pro Jared and his channel coming back because he explained his side of the story. If you guys do not know, Pro Jared is a YouTuber. What happened to him was that he was um claimed to have uh, done um, – sort of predatory things with um minors but the stories did not hold enough evidence and uh when the people that claimed this that pro jared was doing this um actually manipulated the story by deleting um messages from their tumblr chat which yeah it just shows you to i i don't know where i'm going with this but like Look at two sides of a story, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, that that reminds me of... I, I can't speak on the air about this, uh, not in depth yet, at least. One day I might speak in depth, but either way, I can't release names because they're minors at the moment. Uh, just wait till they're 18, though. Who knows? But anyways, um, <laughs> but, you know, that same situation that you mentioned low-key happened to me. I told you about this the other day. Yes, we talked about this. I was locked in a bathroom. We won't explain much about it. Yeah, but like, you know, it's it's ridiculous. False claims in general, it ruins people. And like, I feel like people are more likely to believe the female than the male. And And this is really interesting because for years and years, like from the beginning of American history, even Britain history, you know, like before that even. Women are, were always fighting for rights to do stuff, you know? But, like, now that women get their rights and stuff, and now I am i don't have anything wrong with them having their rights and stuff, you know? Like I said, I don't have a problem with any of that. None of us do on this podcast. But, like, it's just if you're going to have it, don't abuse it. Even, like, African Americans, you know? You know, all the time they're calling each other the N-word and throwing around the N-word. But didn't we – yeah, hard to get that abolished. Yeah, but like, cause like the thing I gotta say is like with whole with the cancel culture stuff in general. Like, um, a subject that I'm not gonna go deep into as of this podcast was, um, actually a couple of days ago, 
um, a game developer. I forgot his last name. I do know his first name's Alec. He committed suicide, I believe. And suicide's a tough subject to like discuss about, but he committed suicide the other day because um how his game uh got canceled. He I, I don't know if he lost his job, but I do know his game got canceled and um people were just sending him over the edge and that ended up happening. And j- what I have to say is that people like we should not cancel people cuz the thing is we always have to look at both sides of a story. Like don't just immediately go and cancel people. What I want to happen is that we just cancel cancel cultural in general. Because it's ruining so many people's lives for stuff like, oh, that they didn't do. Like, this thing happened to James Charles, happened to Pro Jared, and, like, all this, but, yeah. Wait, James Charles, isn't he the YouTuber that's, like, gay that's always posting pictures of himself? Uh, he's that one makeup guru channel, yeah, I think. He's like, guy. yeah, him. He had like allegations like uh, a couple months ago about like him trying to turn a straight dude gay, but in reality, the kid um, did the thing that happened with Pro Jared, where uh, he didn't show the rest of the messages and all that. Then James Charles came back talking about all these allegations giving the other side happened to me didn't show the complete messages deleted some to yeah giving the other side of the story and yeah always so like always get the full story get the this is why real men podcast was started so that we could have (laughs) so we can only have real topics with real facts with real information because there's too much bias i mean i know we are slightly biased when it comes to apple and and Android, but we admitted that Apple is hard to virus. I'm not going to lie. I mean, they, their Play Store, they clean their Play Store very well. Google Play used to be horrible on the Play Store. Now it's impossible to put a virus on there. But, like, Androids are easier to virus if you don't know what you're doing. And even whenever you yeah. root, just rooting your Android, it's just the root software itself could virus it if you don't know what you're doing. You know, you do got to be careful. And Apple does have very good security, especially on their accounts. You know, Google, Google for, the, for those who don't know, uh, Android is made by Google and currently owned by Google. And yeah. iPhones, obviously, they use iCloud. It is so easy to hack a Gmail account. And there are so many different methods. We got brute force. We got social engineering. You got phishing. You got so many different ways. But with Apple, I've literally tried several different methods uh, with permission to hack into a friend of mine uh, who has an iPhone with his iCloud account, and I couldn't, I couldn't even get into the iPhone. I couldn't get into his iPhone. I couldn't get into his iCloud account, and I used brute force, and that didn't work, obviously. And it's just like, you know, oh, believe it or not, a lot of platforms are still vulnerable to brute force, and this is such an old method. This is a very easy thing to patch. This is not difficult to fix. All you have to do is make it so that whenever it's called rate limiting and and just make it so that whenever someone tries enough times to log into an account and fails, block them, block their access, block the the, the yeah. hardware ID, you know, HWID for those who play Fortnite, if you get banned. You know, you use an HWID, uh, you know, an HWID spoofer or hardware ID spoofer, and there you go. But like, no, you know, Instagram has a horrible reputation for brute force, and so does Twitter. Twitter 
there's this uh, developer on on GitHub. GitHub is a place where you can upload code. Yes. I, yeah. GitHub is yeah. It's if you want it's like places it's a place where you can go. It has actually a bunch of good stuff on there if you need stuff that like a uh, home beer console um needs stuff to like do um coding or stuff like that. GitHub actually has a lot of play uh, a lot of uh things that you can use on there such as brute force, homebrew um and some other stuff. But yeah, it's it's actually pretty good. And it I believe doesn't brute force also have like injectors for things uh you know it's not called brute force but i know what you're talking about. i mean not yeah. several yeah. Diff- you know the the word injection and injector can be used in so many different areas of hacking but one of the main ways for injection is sql injection and what that does is basically someone tries to get they scan your website for vulnerabilities and like for instance if there's a login page we scan for vulnerabilities between the connection your computer makes with the server and the database to verify whether your account credentials that you entered was right or wrong. And so what we do is we analyze that connection that your computer makes with the server. And if we find a a vulnerability in it, we exploit it. And then we can dump the entire database and get all the usernames and passwords. These are often known for, for hackers, the method is called SQL injection. The actual act of doing it and what it's called in the media is data breaching. And there is this is very ironic. The other day I saw on Twitter uh, that there is a company known for defending against data breaches that had a data, data breach. Yeah, you were talking about you were talking to this about me earlier, and you were like dying of laughter for me. But actually, a topic a topic on about phones and such. Whatever happened to like the Microsoft phones? Oh yes, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so Microsoft made. I actually know about this. I researched this. So yeah. Microsoft got into the phone industry because they wanted to show the power of Windows, and Windows became a, a, its own operating system. Obviously, for those who don't know, Xbox Ones actually run Windows. You can use a mouse yes. and keyboard on Xbox. You can, on Xbox. if you change the right settings and you download the correct updates for Windows 10 on your computer, you can use the exact same system that Xbox One uses. But the issue is that, like, thing is, crap, I forgot what I was going to say, though. <laughs> but, like, um, yeah, like, the thing is about if I actually own a Microsoft phone, it's not mine. It's it's a phone I found from a friend. He let me borrow it, and I was gonna like sort of dissect it, see its programming, and probably like replace it with something else. Um, but dump it, the OS. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It didn't work. The thing like won't turn on now. Uh, you bricked uh, it. It's called bricking what you did. Yeah, so you I know what I was gonna say. The, yeah, the bricking. It actually bricking is very kind of common, I think. If it, it Usually, from where I found it, uh, the term bricking was from consoles, um, mostly Wii and a 3DS, because when you homebrew it, there is a chance that your con- um, if something you do, that your console will get bricked, which means it won't work properly, a.k.a. it won't turn on. <laughs> yeah, but like... With the Windows, the Windows phones, I mean, Windows is a very powerful 
and it, it's a very powerful system. You know, it's not as powerful yes. as Linux, but it is very powerful. It's and, a powerful system when it comes to computers. When it comes to the phones, it, it, it's basically like they were trying to shove a Windows operating system into a phone, but like destroying all the stuff that's usually like people use a real phone for, like, oh, Instagram, um, Snapchat. Because I do remember they had a Snapchat on there and they had like an Instagram beta. They didn't have an app store. You can get like much stuff. Well, they did, but like it was like the Microsoft Store. It wasn't like Play. It wasn't Google Play. It wasn't. Yeah, you know how whenever you install, like if you have the latest Windows 10, you will see that there's a Microsoft Store on there. That's the same yes. store they used for Android, which well, not Android, but their Microsoft phones. Yeah, it's the, the Microsoft. Same you will see a lot of mobile apps on the uh, Microsoft Store, and you will see a lot of mobile apps such as Asphalt the car racing game that's available for PC through the Microsoft store. And that's because, you know, Microsoft store was made for mobile and PC, yeah. but you'd be surprised what each one can run. But the issue is that Microsoft is not in the, they made the phones to show that they could get into the phone business, but then that failed. Uh, I believe yeah. shortly after the surface was already released, but it wasn't as good, but it was pretty it decent. Was, the concept. I believe was it was after they made like the windows eight phone was when they like stopped making new ones it was either the windows eight phone or or was it when like windows 10 was like first it was windows 10 but like the the issue they were they were loaded with bloatware that's the issue and windows 10 in general is is horrible when it comes to bloatware but like the thing is though is that whenever they realized that the windows phone wasn't going to cut it and that they was wasting money on it they stopped producing them and then they created the Surface Studio. Yeah. Well, but like, so, something I got... Okay, yeah. Something I yeah. have to state real quick. If you have been living under a rock, Microsoft phones and Android phones are completely different. They do not run the same hardware. Android has its own software capabilities, while Microsoft is sort of... We don't really talk about it anymore because their phones are really irrelevant and AKA kind of piles of garbage, but yeah. In my opinion, I don't know your opinions on Microsoft phones, but yeah. Yeah, well, I hate to cut this short, but we got to end the podcast. Uh, it's late, and yes. I'm tired, and I'm sure you're tired as well. Thank you for coming on today, Tron, and thank you for everyone who's listening. This hopefully is I become, Hopefully I become another person on this thing as another host, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. Anyways... <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed. If you did, make sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever you're using. And uh, stay real.